Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast for Black Women Connect Vancouver. Girl, you know it. So I'm the founder of Black Women Connect Vancouver, which started in 2017. And Black Women Connect Vancouver is a collective of women who come to inspire, empower, and leverage our strengths and embrace our diverse experiences. It is a community where we can build meaningful relationships and celebrate the beauty of our Black womanhood. I hope that you enjoy it. Welcome back, everybody. So excited to have our guest today. Today, we're going to be talking about boundaries. And so let's start. Introduce yourself. Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Tinti Tembo. My full name's Chitinti, but uh, I prefer Tinti. I am the co-founder of Origin Papers, which is a storytelling outlet um, that helps people connect through stories and the co-founder of BIPOC CA, which is an, a newly formed creative association in the city, as well as being a board member, a recent board member on Pace Society's board. So yeah, that's a little snippet about me. Um, and you're Zambian. Yes, I'm, I'm half Zambian and half Zimbabwean. That's really key to note yes, here. Yes, yes. I'm very proud. I'm proud Zambian. I'm proud Zambian. <laughs> It's okay, it's okay. You're still in the southern part of Africa. (laughs) Look, I'm third wheeling. I'm primarily the one, and then you all come in. Anyway, I'm I'm primarily the one. This is what South Africans do. I know. You know. They think they're the only one. Forget about the rest of you. I'm pretty sure that we're all in this together. We were in freedom fighters for countries together. Oh, all of a sudden there was Zambian camaraderie. Then all of a sudden I'm being a bum. Yes, you all were being a bum. No, we were just recognizing, yes, our patriotic ways. Yes, (laughs) it matters. (laughs) So since we're going to be talking about boundaries today, we're going to focus on family structures and like for boundaries, but then also like our relationships in general and then also working relationships. So tell us a little bit more about your family structure. How did you grow up? Did you grow up here? What does that look like? (laughs) Yeah, um, it's really (laughs) funny that you asked that. Um... (laughs) I, I tend to find what I thought was a strange upbringing to be very true now that I've conducted more investigations throughout my life with the relationships I've formed. Um, I guess I grew up in a somewhat non-conventional household. My mother was 24 years younger than my father, um, which, you know, in the the basic normalized state of everyone putting stigmas against everything would term her a gold digger, but I would um, argue against that completely because it was really more that both my parents were quite established, very keen on education, both worked for the World Health Organization, which is where they met, and so it it really had nothing to do with that besides love, to be quite frank, because I would ask my mom questions about it growing up, kind of wondering why um, the optics of our family didn't resemble those mm. of my peers at school, because, you know, it was nuclear family vibes, which we had, but then 
my father lived in Zambia and my mom lived in Zimbabwe and I was born and raised in Zimbabwe and my father would come to visit like once a month or so and they were still married mm. like they were actively married actively in love with each other mm. but living in separate countries so that set me as an anomaly right off the bat because all my friends had both of their parents at home and because we were in diplomatic circles it tended to be that the fathers were working and most of my friends moms weren't working and they were stay-at-home moms and doing their mom duties um, so it was really just striking that my mom worked in mm. the first place. Yeah. And so that set a foundation for a lot of questions. And I've always been one to ask lots of questions. So I was like, so tell me about this. Why this guy? <laughs> what does this mean? Um, so I would say that that foundation within itself kind of set a precedent for how they raised me. Um, they took a very diplomatic approach. Um, I say this by saying, like, if my mom sends me an email today, it literally says, hi, Tinti, I hope this email finds you well. <laughs> Herewith, please find. And it's like, this is my mom know, sending this kind regards yeah. at the end of the email. And she's been sending me emails like this since I was a child. Even my father, when he yeah. used to email me, <laughs> Same kind of vibe. Um, just so you know, he's passed away now. Um, but it was strange. So that kind of dynamic, that diplomatic approach, just was infused in how um, they set boundaries and taught me my values and what have you. Uh, I would say there was very strict boundaries set at from the onset like you know I kind of lived a somewhat socially imprisoned life mm. because my mom was very particular about who I could spend time with and there was a lot of family politics from her side of the family so she chose to distance me more from my cousins so that boundary was set but also meant that I wasn't really spending time with my cousins, yeah. my aunties, my uncles, just because they had differences. So that estrangement in their relationship created this very formal boundary for my development of the connection with my family members. So same thing went with my friends. It was very particular when I could spend time with them and so on and so forth. And also just down to how my parents interacted with me yeah um I would say like for me I was flabbergasted when I first moved to Canada so-called Canada um because I found people's parents were completely overstepping in my perspective yes. <laughs> I was like they do what I can't believe that like this idea of if you do something wrong and then your parent can come into your room 
and read your journals or mm. ask to see your phone and read your messages, that's completely unacceptable in my mind. We just didn't have that kind of dynamic. Yeah. My mother said, I will never touch any of your things. I'll never read anything. I'm setting this foundation that we have trust yes. first before that overstep. Mm. So. I knew never to touch her journals, her phones. I didn't even have the desire to read anything because she met me 50-50 in that way and never uh, just came into my space to explore or do research. She would just ask me. So that's how I understand forming relationships now. You know, there's certain... Um, topics that need to be discussed by setting those boundaries I like to set them initially upon meeting someone letting them know what I can and can't do within the relationship I'm not a big texter and when I do text it's because we're close to each other but also still I might not express myself I'm not very yeah. emotive in the text but if you know me I'm really like expressive so I set that boundary initially and yeah. say you know I don't like messaging a lot and don't be surprised if I don't answer often. Like it has nothing to do with what I think about you. I just find that dynamic yeah. important. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's quite interesting. I don't think, I think similarly my parents weren't um, investigatory in that sense. Like mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I had journals, I had diaries, I had like, I, I wrote a lot when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think that there was that level of trust and that level of kind of a, I'll call it now common decency, but I don't want to be like other people to misconstrue it and be like, oh, well, I guess I'm not being decent, but you're kind of not. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's really interesting the where the investigation took place. Mm -hmm. The investigation didn't take place in like my personal belongings or my room or anything like that. I didn't ever feel like that was um, taken away from me in terms of privacy, but in terms of like asking my siblings and like asking for somebody to be quote unquote a spy or whatever the case is, mm -hmm. and just to have like a, like a lookout essentially for them. And I, I played that part um, and I used to tell on my siblings and stuff like that. And I thought I was doing the right thing because of the way that I was told mm -hmm. like I was protecting them and they probably didn't know what they were doing or like you know my mom had to take care of them yeah. and so I would be mm -hmm. the one to be her eyes when she was gone and I think we buy into being the person who breaks the silence or the whistleblower um, but don't actually know how detrimental it is to forming our own relationships with the people that we whistleblow on right and mm -hmm. so in my regard I was younger than my siblings who I was telling on mm -hmm. and so that casted a different light on me but I think they understood and we were still able to form a really good relationship uh, in that sense but what happens then you know because I feel sometimes that there is that removed sense and there's an expectation for you to be forthcoming mm -hmm. with your parents if you have that separation and that trusting boundary how has that worked in terms of your relationship are you as forthcoming with your mom do you wish that she could be more forthcoming with other things uh, do you feel that same way as well do you feel like a little bit of overstepping could have helped the negotiation of being opened you know um, I think about that often and I would say because I was basically dispatched as I like to term it um, across the world 
and lost that initial bond to like be raised by your parent your guardianship like that's where you've learned all your formal primary social socialization and then at 14 that's just severed just like that and you're across the world um I would say our relationship when I was younger wasn't very strong at all because I just felt like you know despite how open that seems it meant she was calling every 10 minutes yeah. when I was at the house being mm -hmm. like so what are you doing now and I was like this is not giving me enough breathing room mm -hmm. whatsoever and I do have siblings have siblings from my dad's side and grew up with two of them um, from the age of nine I would say so the the forthcoming nature I would say presented itself once the distance had been really instated and it's like okay now you will not be close to each other anytime soon yeah. so it meant and I saw what that looked like actually because I lived with um a not very good family when I first moved out here and I was having a lot of problems with them. The mom used to shout at me, make me clean all these things. Yeah. Like yeah. a new imported slave, to be honest. Yep. And I didn't share that with my mom because I was fearful of upsetting her or making her worried, you know, because we were so far apart. But that meant I was now completely becoming a recluse in terms of sharing this painful experience that I'm going through which she could have played a part in helping me through sooner had I communicated that so I would say it definitely developed over time but there was also that fear because you know coming from an African family, there's always a fear. They want you to share. They're like, let's yeah. be open, let's share. Yeah. Then you share and they're like, I'm gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know? So it's like, should I share, yeah. should I share? But yeah. then you eventually, like I think the distance made me feel more comfortable yeah. in sharing because the reprimandment would just be less yes. it's just more over the phone <laughs> and it's like well we can deal with that the next time we see each mm. other but because we only see each other once a year you're gonna make the most out yeah, of it exactly. so let's so not you forget focus. about it yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so yeah I think that's how I would find that it's something I grew into mm -hmm. it didn't come naturally mm -hmm. whatsoever even given those foundations so it did make me question like is it as awesome being in this nuclear family where right. everyone's communicating all the time? Because I still find some of the issues I refer yeah. back to relate with a lot of people who grew up with their parents right then and there exactly. and the communication with their siblings. So then it just makes you know over time that there's no perfect mm -mm, family no. structure whatsoever. No. Yeah, yeah, like it's just who's making the most of it how are you trying to relate establish to each that. other establish yeah. a relationship are you making an effort and being respectful while doing it i yeah. think yeah, yeah. okay so tell us a little bit more about how you kept boundaries having 
to grow up in not a nucleus family, I guess, like your immediate family and having siblings that were half siblings. And you said you grew up with two of them that you were close to, or you can expand on that. What does that look like in terms of boundaries? Because if you don't grow up with someone, you you do develop boundaries of like, well, this is just what our relationship is going to be, right? Like, because someone may be like, well, we didn't grow up together, so I don't be your your, like sibling in that capacity, but we can know each other from a distance. Or were you that person? How did that work? So I was really, really keen on having siblings from the minute I popped out of the womb. I was like, so (laughs) where's my brother with my sister at? They were like, no. (laughs) So um, I was aware that I had half siblings from my dad's side. And when I first met my brother, he came, they used to both live in South Africa, the two siblings that I grew up with. And they went to boarding school. So my brother came for a summer holiday and he was really excited to meet me. Um, It was a great interaction. We had this awesome summer, you know, did these kind of activities that you do with your brother, like (laughs) play with sticks, sword fights, like he, this was gross, but he taught me how to spit far. <laughs> so we would do like spitting competitions, which during a pandemic is not acceptable. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> Don't try it at home. I know. I know quarantine can get a bit boring, but still take care. And so we had a great um, kickoff into our relationship. He was really keen on moving to Zimbabwe. My sister, on the other hand, was not having it. I believe, from what I understand, you know, there were preconceived notions kind of instilled within them that when you go to a stepmother, um, your stepmother is evil, Mm -hmm. she will treat you badly, she won't love you, especially within... um, a context within African yes. cultures, you know, the children from another woman, mm-hmm. especially, yeah. it's like a very Those difficult... Those are not your children. Yeah, it's yeah. like... <laughs> hmm. So my mom didn't have that perspective. She loved my father so, so much that she was like, I want to adopt your children mm-hmm. and raise them here. So... We had my brother who was very excited to integrate and become like a nuclear-ish family. And then my sister who was just like, no, um, it's nice to see you. We will cohabitate and we do share the same surname, but that's as far as it will go. So the boundary was right there. Mm -hmm. The fact that we were half blooded relation was our boundary and it lasted the entire time we grew up together um Mm -hmm. and she went on to be a teenager like we had our moments where we would have the sisterly love but it was timed like she said the boundaries very strictly Mm -hmm. I could only hang out with her for a certain number of hours and then when that time was up it's like oh Tinti you need to leave now Mm -hmm. um I'm doing me and she termed it as being more of like a teenage behavior Mm. and that we were going to connect more when we're older because we're so far apart in age so I'll count on these moments where we could spend time together so I would say that 
like there was just boundaries throughout, like just even the terminology of certain things like created that boundary. It was unspoken. And sometimes I feel like that can have more damage because yeah. you have these ideas of mm -hmm. what it means to engage in that relationship with your siblings mm -hmm. and you're excited, we'll play games, we'll do this. Meanwhile, they're like looking at the time being like, when is this little girl going to yeah. go away, you know? Mm -hmm. So that ended up affecting me. And when we... um headed into our like adult years uh they moved to victoria went to uvic i was living in halifax nova scotia so i'd go visit for holidays and our dynamic completely changed we were mm. suddenly friends mm. now and hanging out all the time and they said it was because i was older yeah um so I don't know, you know, I've been asking these same questions to myself all the time. Like, how do you engage in the relationship when the boundary is like, like pre-inscribed into the relationship? Like the understanding of that relationship already has the boundary and you're the character just being plopped in mm. and navigating that space so um i don't know if that answers your question but i i'm still wondering within my family dynamic how to engage in breaking down those boundaries with the other siblings that age gap yeah completely is the boundary you know I'm the little baby, I'm the youngest, mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of a feud from that because they wanted to be the youngest, so mm -hmm. we just have a complete clash, we don't talk, I added one of my sisters on Facebook, she didn't accept the friend request for seven years, so I cancelled it, yeah. that was my understanding of what our relationship was, so yeah you know it's up in the seven years yeah. and I was like okay and we had seen each other within those seven years and it was just becoming very clear like our interaction face to face is not even short of being diplomatic at all like it's it's just two people being in the same space with the same surname and we can speak to each other cordially, and that's as far as it goes. But even something as superficial as accepting a friend request, that whole mm. dynamic is infused into that, and then it sends a bigger message. That is the boundary. Yeah. It'll go as far as just sharing the same last name. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you know. So how were you able to start working through that? So like you said, you asked a lot of questions. Was it like, okay, let me take the next step, like ask more family about it, or you like, I'm going to go get counseling, or I'm going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to journal. Like, what was your like, okay, this is going to be my boundary and working through it? I think th that's a very good question. I became very enraged over the years the trying to feel like I was the only one putting effort into building those connections mm -hmm. And then 18 came around. I was about 17 or 18. And then I just, I was so furious. I felt like it was um, 
it was preventing me from being the best version of myself. I could feel that. I used to clench my mm -hmm. fists all the time, so I'd be, like, pushing my fingernails into my palms. It didn't really, like, dig that hard, but it was, like, something I could feel all the time. And then it was... I used to get osteopathy for my back, and my osteopath also had a title counseling. So I was like, oh, if I ask you questions or talk about my problems you'll keep it confidential and he was like yes and so I was like okay well I have so much to tell you let me tell you I'm like let's open up this chapter so we get talking and start realizing that yes I have um trapped a lot of the result of severe boundary setting into anger because it's preventing me from building those connections. Yeah. So I was like, I need to move past this because it's going to affect how I develop bonds with new people I meet. And I didn't want that to affect me. There's a lot of, you know, preconceived notions about what family is supposed to be and what it means but the way I look at it now given what I've just told you is like you can make your own family yeah. you can build it you know and so I definitely feel like I have a family and yeah. siblings and everything just not in the blood really yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so I start counseling and I'm like you know, explaining this whole childhood and the the end kind of result that came from that was being encouraged to tell my my siblings, my parents of what I had been going through over the years because I did feel senses of abandonment yeah. issues and loneliness from that disconnection. Also being dispatched across the world really hit home in here. So then I was able to address this face to face, but I know that a lot of people wouldn't be even able to have that strength mm. or that courage within themselves to voice what's going on. But for me, I knew I wouldn't be able to move forward as an individual mm. without speaking my truth because I just didn't like feeling that way anymore. So yeah, the counseling helped a lot, addressed it directly face to face with my parents and that was a big deal but I've always had what they call a loud mouth so I've always just been there like so um I have something to talk about you know I had some problems with this dispatch tell me how you felt yeah, you know yeah. um so that really helped me because we were able to be honest you know and really start that process and I was able to have that dialogue and say so this is how this action affected me yeah and this is a result of this and it's um you know manifested these kind of emotions within me so mm -hmm. then we're having that dialogue but I know that it's not possible but it came with also them sending me across the world yeah. they had to be open to receiving that because it's like yeah when you send a child at 14 across the world by themselves they're they're gonna have something yeah. some feelings that come from that mm -hmm. so if you're not open to hearing that there would be some effects. They're not just going to grow up and become this educated person that, 
you are comparing to all your friends yeah. who also sent children across the world. So, yeah, yeah. I think counseling 100%, you know, especially within our black community and as black women, especially I find mm-hmm. we usually suppress that and can get over it we're strong enough but I really really suggest to anyone who's listening like it's a lot to get there Mm. to get to that step but that that's a type of strength to be able to identify that you need to seek counsel on a topic Mm. and you should feel a, a sense of endearment for even feeling confident enough to say you need that so um by sharing the story i just hope that it makes others feel comfortable with seeking i think it definitely will um for me my because what came to me when you were talking about the hard boundaries that are set i think i learned well i had to learn how to set hard boundaries Mm. and not necessarily to keep the person out but to keep myself from continuing to hurt myself by letting them Mm. treat me in that way and Mm. so I had to start learning how to separate myself but I still carry a lot of guilt around um the 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 severing of relationships Mm. because of the dynamic that I was talking about in the previous episode of being the helper being the one who's listening being the one who's you know that pillar of strength that kind of guiding in terms of logic and even now in my in my friendships that are not successful I feel really bad for letting people go even if it's for my own well-being I just feel like you know what if I was that person to show them that grace and that compassion that would help them that would change them you know what if I am the saving grace but then I have to take myself out of it you know and and stop trying to save people and stop trying to help Mm. people and work on myself as an individual and I like that counseling allowed you to see your parents as individual and to hold them accountable for their individual actions Mm -hmm. and then how that perpetuated itself in the dynamic that you have with like being a child Mm. um i think that's a really big step to do is to start looking at everybody as an individual even little children like obviously you're not going to look at a little kid and be like you're an individual so you have to clean and take care of yourself and the kid is five right that's not what i'm saying i'm just saying you need to cultivate them as an individual and then treat them in relation to everything around them Mm -hmm. i think we do the reverse where we're family before we're people and it's like no I'm a person and you're a family. I could hate you, right? But we can still be family. Mm -hmm. The family title doesn't leave us because we're blood related, but it doesn't mean that the dynamic of our relationship is going to be in whatever the category says it has to be. So that's a, yeah, that's a... You know, actually, what you just said is really a poignant point to note because of the fact that in books and stories, uh how it's been scripted of how your mom or dad is supposed to behave is what was so damaging for me and what made me realize I had to look at them as individuals. Mm. Because when I kept on asking, how could your parents send you away? That there was nothing which made sense. They're always telling me how much they love me and how proud they are of me, but then from a distance. So I was like, okay we're not gonna stick to these titles we need to look at folks as individuals at Mm -hmm. times yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point I think for me like I like the point where you said just before then about 
um, like being that pillar. And I mm. feel like I, I am that person. It's always like that strong friend for mm. a lot of people in my life. And I don't mind being that person. Like, I'm not saying I don't mind it. I really do appreciate it. But I think that for me, when I experienced something so traumatic in my life and I, my psyche changed and mm. I wasn't available to be that person for you mm. because even when I went through that car crash and I came back, there was a lot of things going on in my different friends' lives that were very drastic changes in their lives that, um, I just couldn't be there for you. Like I couldn't. And like, there's moments where we were supposed to like, I'll do a hangout thing. And I was like, drop out like last minute. And I was like, sorry, I can't come. Like, I just emotionally cannot be mm. in your presence. Mm. And I think that was a really hard process for my friends to see me in that state because you're just expected to just always get over things you know when you're the resilient one you can mm. go through anything in life and it's like oh she'll always have a happy face oh she'll always look confident and she'll always walk through life whatever because she's so resilient she's mm. strong and it's like I heard that word so much in my life it's like at some point you're like I'm not though like in yeah. this moment I'm not except mm. that part of me and I think for me I had to learn to draw boundaries with people in that area because I, I had to be like listen today I'm not that mm. person that you're expecting me to be. And and I think that was a really hard thing for me to also start being like, because you know you are resilient. You know you are that strong person. But when you can't be that, it's hard to also yeah. tell people and be like, okay, today I'm not. But, I, but for you, you also feel guilty because mm. you're so like, you kind of get into that role of I can fix everything for everyone, mm. but I can't fix it for myself in this moment. And that's such a very challenging thing. But then it's like, how do I create boundaries for myself to heal? Um, but also create boundaries that my friends need to realize like I'm also an individual in this moment like yeah. see me for where I'm at in this like mm. moment it may take a day it may take a week it may take years like I don't know and I think it's like where do we give ourselves grace with that and especially as black women we are always seen as the overly strong person like you can mm. take anything you know and it's like just take any of the pain like it doesn't matter and it's like the moment you say like hey listen today I'm crossing like I'm putting that boundary and be like I'm not okay I'm like I need to be in this place or I need to take this boundary and be like I can't hang out with you today mm. like accept that don't mm. question it mm -hmm. just accept it as like she needs this time mm. so have you had like stories like that with other like friendships or like relationships where you're like let me just, uh, <laughs> like, either toxic or not, because that's a whole different topic. Because yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you don't always break up toxic exactly. mm -hmm. the relationships, right? Even the good ones are... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you sparked a, a whole topic on its own that can be its own podcast, yeah. but um, something I've done in my research um, for my minor was looking... I took a, a course on um, the history of uh, black women in the Americas and black respectability is an incredibly huge topic mm -hmm. within scholarship um, from black feminist scholars. And it is exactly what you described is that there are these notions, preconceived notions that we are these warriors um, as black identifying women that can just withstand everything that everyone else cannot. So that this idea, these um, assumptions that you'll be able to get over it mm. or you can be present because you've always been able yeah. to do that. And then the, the day you're sad, it's shocking to people. Yeah. And 
I would say when it comes to even when you're going through a hard time, that taps into it based off of what you're talking about. It's like people assume a boundary that if you say you're sad, that you don't need to be checked up on. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, excuse it's me, so like true. what kind of friendship is this? Yeah. When you're going through something, you expect yes. me to call you. You even wonder why I didn't send you a yeah. text message. Show up at the doorstep, you know? yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then for me, it's like, oh, I thought... Yeah you were going to be okay mm, or you just you need a time need... alone yeah exactly yeah. so it's like um okay I, I guess <laughs> that's what this is and yeah. navigating that yeah. especially within the context of this land I find that that's a reoccurring mm. um thing that happens and uh it especially happens with non-black friends mm. and it's like only when that's why I feel most comfortable being around um, other black folks because it's like we don't have to explain ourselves and if we are feeling something painful but then I think it also comes within our own relationships yeah. as well mm -hmm. we think we have these strengths because it's being perpetuated yes. and imposed on us so in friendships, I've just had to honestly say, I'm going through a hard time. I won't be able to speak to you for a while mm. because of how I've been met with that type of resistance of actually being a decent human yeah. being. Because if you think you shouldn't call or text me, some of my closest friends do this to me. Yeah. And they're like, we thought you had this person there for you. Yeah. And it's like, excuse me. Why are you counting the like, people I have? Yeah, like that's... Yeah, that doesn't work. You you still matter. I've been calling you. Oh, well, you should have texted me. And it's like, what? That's going to make you understand yeah. the severity of the situation? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it was the same for me, like, in that way where mm. right after, like, when it happens, like for us, like my family and my sister was here and like the people that even showed up for my sister, I wasn't actually even expecting those people to show up. I oh thought like God. other people would be there. And like there was one person who was one of my closest friends and she sent me an email. It's an email I don't use, right? Like one of my closest friends. And I got back and I was like, how come I texted her? I was like, how come you never checked up on me? I literally died. And like, and she just is like, well, I sent you an email like, <laughs> and that was the moment. And when we had a sit, sit down conversation, she started crying and had the nerve to say, well, I was like, I didn't know what to do. I'm sorry. And in that moment, and there was other people too. I definitely have been like, mm -hmm. I had to like cut so many people out of my life. Mm -hmm. And the people I didn't think were going to step up, stepped up. And that to me when I was like, because loyalty is a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. It's huge. And I was like, if you're not there in the moment of something that serious, I don't want you there in my success. Mm -hmm. And whatever success looks like, mm -hmm. not that I need to be like famous, mm -hmm. but like... Sending your like one of your closest friends an email when she's in the hospital. Like to me, I just was like my mind was blown, and that's mm -hmm. when I came to realize that it's like not everyone's gonna be there for you in those moments. And it's like when do you set up that boundary? Because mm -hmm. how many times did I forgive you for certain things and certain actions that you did mm -hmm. to me that where you were going through and you didn't treat me properly? And I was still there. I was still mm -hmm. there. But then it's like anything happens to me, it's like. I sent you an email and then that's when I had to be like, I need to start cutting people out of my life. Like, mm -hmm. and I like, I don't really have like people super close to me that like that. And so when that happened, I really had to evaluate. I was like, mm -hmm. if a person can just say like, I sent you an email when you like go through something like that, I was like, 
what else can someone it's, else do to you? Yeah. And that's yeah. when I had to be like, not everyone's going to be there for you. And, and boundaries, and that's when I started learning boundaries. And not to be, like, apologetic mm. about it. Because I think I, before I was super apologetic because I'm, like, so loyal. I'm like, oh, mm. then, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Now I'm just like, if loyalty is just not there... I'm like we can't be friends you know like we can be business friends we can be cordial friends we can be casual friends because I'll never be like I'll never talk eventually about you I won't be like you know what I mean like I'll talk maliciously about you and drag you in the streets like we'll just have a different relationship and that's it and just be okay with that like because that's the boundary now I have with you yeah yeah you're right. It, it is when it was when my dad yeah, passed away that that happened. Mm. My best friend yeah. again left me on scene. That's they had shown that red change. Yeah, I left me on red for a whole summer and answered and said, "Oh, I was working for my father. I was yes. very busy. It ends up I being saw about your them. message, and I was like." <laughs> Ah, no. That's when I learned you could just cut people <laughs> out can, with no express, like unapologetic. So it's real. Yeah. It's so real. And yeah. I and I've seen it in other people's lives. It's like when there's a huge life change that happens, whether it's like, yeah. you know, death or whatever, or weddings. Mm-hmm. Woo, the amount of weddings I've seen where like friends have just like broken up about mm. things it's just like it's crazy people mm. make things about themselves mm. and in that moment you have to make that decision of like i'm setting this boundary mm-hmm. and I, we're just not moving forward and that's okay mm. and before i used to like kind of feel bad but like no it's it is yeah. what it is like we, you mm. get to the age too where you're like is this the person i want for the next 10 years of my mm-hmm. life if you can't even be here for that you know yeah. like there's yeah. gonna be other life things that we're all gonna go through that yeah. are traumatic or not yeah but and people are not scarce I'm yes sorry. Like, yeah. exactly it sucks to have to start from scratch to make a best friend but, but like i could cultivate a best yeah friend and it doesn't even have to be a best time. friend right it's like yeah. still there's still other people you can be close friends with it's yeah wild. yeah it's like so, even but you with your partner right yeah you helped me with that recently actually um being able to like uh not feel um not feel like i i hold this responsibility to respond to somebody Mm. or to give them a reason as to why i'm cutting them off as well and so i think you know the tagline for this podcast episode is nobody is above blocking and being cut off Mm -hmm. because we're gonna cut you off tinti thank you so much for joining us you've been a blast (laughs) to have you here with us it's a pleasure i've wanted to be on this couch with the both of you (laughs) i know because we've like recently just like we've made friends with you like in different capacity i think like we were i was on one of your podcasts too and then i was like oh okay who's this girl randomly messaging and then we finally met up and then i saw that you were hanging out with plus and I was like wait what you know her too and I'm like who's this girl just like finding her way and then she's like I'm an honorary black women connect like staff member yes I self-invited yes. myself I was like um I'm an honorary member so just so all of you know yeah. I'm an honorary member we'll have like a new page on our website yeah, right. yeah. it's our highlight yes <laughs> just Tinty's face there yes we'll have a new page for honorary yeah. members awesome. but yes well, it's been a pleasure time. thank you awesome COVID distance cheers 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 Cheers. thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed the episode it's always amazing to get an opportunity to chat with these lovely ladies so if you're looking to follow us off of the podcast and you're looking to catch up with some of the content that we have you can follow us on Instagram Facebook and on YouTube, all at Black Women Connect Vancouver. And we also have a website for you at blackwomenconnectvancouver.com. 
which is where you can sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so you can keep updated with our growth and all of the other events that we have planned for you. Catch you later. Bye.